0: Hello ladies, this is Pure Heart, godly dating and relationship advice with yours truly, Natasha Sapienza. I'm a Christian, writer, actress, and my hubby's sidekick filmmaker. And now, for today's lesson. So he wasn't made for you. You were made for him. Sisters, are you waiting on God to bring you a husband? Do you believe that you are called to marriage and that once you find that man, he will help you fulfill your God-given assignments? Let me read this to you. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and God brought her to the man." Genesis 2, 21-22, in the NLT version, which is my favorite version. So, in Genesis chapter 2, God brought Eve to Adam. In Genesis 24, God brought Rebekah to Isaac. In Esther, Esther was brought to King Artaxerxes. In the book of Ruth, Ruth moved to a new land and happened to come to a field belonging to her future husband. So it's safe to say that Ruth was also brought to Boaz. Okay, there is a proverb that says, a man who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. We don't find in scripture a place where it says, a woman who finds a husband finds a good thing. Not to say that husbands are not a good thing, but we're always seeing women being brought to a man. We see In back to Genesis 2, uh, verses 18, we see the Lord say, It is not good, beneficial for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper. This is what the Amplified says about that one who balances him, a counterpart who is suitable and complementary. For him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 8 through 9, in the New Living Translation, it says, For the first man, Adam, didn't come from woman, but the first woman came from man. And man was not made for woman, but woman was made for man. Now, just take a moment, sisters, just breathe, just just don't shut off this podcast yet, just wait, just hang in there. You might be upset, I don't know how you're feeling, but I reckon there has to be someone listening right now who is slightly annoyed, if anything, at the very least. Okay, sister, let me talk to you, Just, just hear me out, okay? In scripture... We see that women, that Eve first was designated with this role, called a helper. Uh, In our society, what has become very popular, although relatively new, this whole movement of women being very independent of man, you know... Anything you can do, I can do better. Whatever. Beyonce, I don't even know. Just single, single ladies, you know. All of this, just female independence of the man and trying to provide for oneself and, you know, climb ladders in the business world and so on and so forth. In scripture man was the one who was alone. And God looked at the man being alone by himself in Genesis chapter 2. And God thought, it's not good for this man to be alone. So I'm going to make him someone to help him out. Now, as a married woman, This is first not to say that my man, my husband, Jonathan, is not helpful or beneficial to me. He is, in a lot of ways. I'm very thankful for him. He's awesome. However, God has been speaking to me particularly uh, this year. I mean, God has mentioned this to me before but i i hear god i i'm like okay i need to focus more uh and devote more of my time efforts and energy into my marriage and then i eventually go back to this driven Natasha mode of i have to write my books i have to do my thing i have to do my videos I have, to, I have to i have to i have to i have to i want to i want to i want to do this for the kingdom of god yes that is all very true and fine and not evil in itself but my primary role now as a married woman as no longer single Natasha but as married Natasha, my role has now changed from full, unhindered, undivided devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ to now um, devotion also to an earthly husband. Um, My husband is a filmmaker, writer, actor, director. So am I. I'm gifted in the same ways that he's gifted, and there are things about our personality that I really compliment him in, and I really help him in and I remember when we did this thirty minute short film uh two years ago or so, Jonathan you know was the director, and I literally we counted. And i took on 15 roles i mean albeit we were definitely low budget and we didn't have the money to pay everyone to do all the roles that i was doing nonetheless i stepped in did all of those roles and i really helped my husband do this thing i was a huge factor in getting that ball rolling and inspiring my husband to do what he loves to do, what he's called to do, what he's gifted to do, which is to make films for the glory of God. This is not to toot my own horn, sisters. I am literally speaking just truth and fact. I helped my husband do something that's been burning in his heart to do, something that God has called him to do for a long time. Now. In the scriptures, we see these women being brought to these men and be, like I look at Genesis 24, I mentioned earlier Isaac and Rebecca. If you have not read Genesis chapter 24, it is amazing. It is one of the most, I think, personally, one of the best romantic stories in the Bible. In it, we find this young man, Isaac, who is the son of Abraham. And Isaac is in the fields, spending intimate time with the Lord. He is a man of God, seeking God. And the Bible says that he's meditating uh, in the fields. Meditating is when you're speaking God's word aloud to yourself. You're thinking about it. You know, you're, you're saying it out loud, listening to his word. So he's doing this and he has no idea. He has no idea that while he's doing this, minding his own business, spending time with the Lord, that his father is trying to set him up with a woman, is trying to find him a wife. So his father goes ahead and sends his servant to a particular land to find a wife for his oblivious son. So his servant goes to this land, you know, heeds Abraham, goes to this land, and this servant believes in God himself, okay, has faith in God, has a relationship with God, and it says that he prays and he, you know, lifts up this prayer to the Lord and he's there with an animal. Uh, I think it was a donkey or something. Well, anyways, he's there with an animal and he reaches this well where there's obviously water. And he says to God, he does like this test with God. I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but you know, you, you kind of like, okay, Lord, if this is you, then this will happen or then do this, please. And then I'll know it was you. Well, this is what the servant does. So he says, okay, Lord, you know, whoever it is that you want Isaac, you know, to marry, whoever this wife is for Isaac, I pray that, you know, she offers not only me, but also my camel or donkey, whatever one it is, water to drink. So he throws up this prayer and, you know, back then it wasn't that appropriate for women to just strike up conversation with men. You know, they were very chaste back then, very discreet. And so sure enough, here comes some women, you know, not just one woman, but a number of women start coming to the well to gather water, you know, do their regular duties. And here comes this woman who is apparently really beautiful And she sees the servant and she offers him water. And then she also says, Oh, and let me also draw some water for your camel to drink. So, or donkey. So she goes ahead and does that. And then the servant is overjoyed and he just can't even contain himself because God totally, you know, agreed and answered his little test. And he just gushes and he tells the girl, he's like, oh, you know, where do you live? And I I need to come stay with you. And so he stays with her and her family. And then he tells them, he's like, guys, okay, this is really why I'm here. My master Abraham sent me to come to this land and find a wife, you know, of, you know, this particular family for my, you know, or for his son. And I prayed to God, and then this happened, and this young lady, Rebecca, you know, just did what I had prayed that God would do for the woman whom he desires Isaac to marry. So, they, uh, he, he basically is like, okay, so do you want to come back, you know, to my land and marry this guy that you've never met? And, you know, her parents are like, hey, daughter, this is up to you. Do you want to do this? And she's like, yeah. She has obviously some real strong, I would say, faith in God, because she's never seen this guy. She doesn't know him, okay? And some random dude just is like, hey, I prayed this prayer, you did it, and uh, you're called to marry some guy you never met, and I'm going to go take him to you, or take you to him. And so she goes with him, and here this woman is, she is on this donkey, camel, whatever it is. I think it was a camel, whatever. She's on this creature and they go back into the land and she she has her veil on. She's like ready. She just, I don't even know. She must have been desiring a husband, you know. She must have been praying about getting married because she has her veil on. Like she is ready to go. Okay, she just wanted to get at her parents' house. I don't know but this is what happens. So she has her veil on and she sees Isaac in the distance and she goes to the servant. She's like, "Who oh, who is that?" You know, she she he, this man catches her eye from however far off he is and the guy is like basically like, "Yeah, that's your future husband. That's Isaac." And so she gets off her camel and then Isaac is again, this man is oblivious. His father still has not told him. Hey son, by the way, if you're wondering where, you know, our little servant is, uh, yeah, he's on a mission to find you a wife. No, the Bible doesn't say that any of that happens. But anyways, so Isaac then sees her and she obviously catches his eye and it's like, oh, that's, whoa, I'm, I'm getting married. Okay. This is my wife. Hi, nice to meet you. We're married. And they get married and they consummate their marriage and they're married And so that's how Rebecca was brought to Isaac. Then we fast forward and we go into the book of Ruth. And Ruth is a married woman, but then she becomes a widow. And she refuses to go back to her land. She loves her mother-in-law. And she's like, look, I don't care. I am a widow. You're a widow. Let's be widows together. I am going to live with you and go wherever you go. And I'm going to worship your God. and, And I'm not going anywhere. Okay? I'm your daughter. I'm your daughter now. You know, you're stuck with me. So she goes with her mother-in-law to Naomi, to another land. And it just so happens that she, you know, goes into this particular field and starts gleaning from this field. And it's the field of her future husband, Boaz. So you could say that she was brought to Boaz because Boaz didn't leave his land he was, you know, at his home chilling, you know, and, uh, doing his thing. And here comes this woman into his fields and he hears about her and he hears that she has this awesome reputation that, you know, she has faith in the Lord and that she devoted herself to her mother-in-law rather than go back to her land and get married to another man. I mean, you know, he's blown away by her. And anyways, of course, eventually they, they get married. So then we, again, we see an Esther, ladies. I'm telling you, this is like a theme. This stuff happens a lot in the Bible. You see Esther and the the story opens with King Artaxerxes, you know, this man in, in charge, the king of the land, and he has this wife who totally disrespects him in front of all of these very important people by basically refusing to come out before them and flaunt her beauty before them as her husband had requested of her. She flat out is like, no, uh, uh-uh. no. Nah. So the king is infuriated and he's like, I don't even know what to do right now with my life. And all of his advisors are like, okay, yeah, you need to straight up divorce this woman. You need to find a new wife because... If word gets out, which it is going to get out, sorry, king, that this woman, your queen, did that to you, and there was no retribution, that you basically were a pansy, and you let her do... Gosh, I hope pansy's not a bad word. I don't even know really what that means, except for I think it means kind of like, you know, like just like a puppy kind of thing, whatever. Okay, anyways, that you were a wimp and you didn't stand up to her, then all the women in the land are going to rise up against their husbands and be disrespectful and do what she did. And it's just going to be an epidemic in the land of rebellious women. So he's like, oh my gosh you know, that can't happen. Okay, I'm obviously really kind of paraphrasing, but really this is basically what was happening. Okay, so then, you know, he's freaking out and so he asks them what should he do? And so they tell him that he needs to dismiss this woman and he does. He just kicks her out the palace, done, she is gone. And so then it's like, all right, I need a new wife. Every beautiful single virgin in the land must come to my palace. And prepare themselves to meet me. And then I shall choose a wife. So again, Esther is one of these, you know, uh, virgin, whatever, unmarried women in the land. And she is taken from her home. And she goes and is basically brought to the king and brought before him. And then he chooses her and they get married. Okay. Again. You know, we... As as married women, as married women, I mean, even as single women, you know, the, the Bible talks about this group of women that followed Jesus around and basically helped him out. You know, they provided for him, uh, they, they took care of him, they gave him food, they gave him money, you know, they helped him, right? They helped him. And you see, again, just throughout scripture that women in particular, when they get married, that their primary role, primary role is to help their husbands. And there is, you know, a number of ways, my goodness, that men need help. Okay. Um, So we fill, we fill in a lot of roles. And, you know, you hear these these uh, cool quotes like, behind every, what is it? Like, behind every great man, there's an even greater woman or something like that. I wouldn't say, you know, a greater woman, but it's the right idea, you know, that the man is the head and the wife is the neck. Okay, what I, with that, with that particular, you know, quote or metaphor, uh, I would say not that she turns the man's head wherever she wants it to go, but she supports him our necks support our head. Our heads move wherever they want to move. Necks don't move. They, they, don't, they don't turn left and right. That's kind of creepy. And if they do, then our neck was snapped and we die. So our necks are not meant to move from left to right. Our heads are what moves from left to right, and our neck is supporting it. So... The, the wife, there's another, there's a very powerful scripture in Proverbs again, that says, a wise woman builds her home, and a foolish one tears it down with her own hands. Women, this role of helper, sisters, is not a, a less than, less important, inferior role. No, no, no. That's actually not biblical. The Bible says in the New Testament that in God there is no female, male, you know, uh, like uh, barbarian, slave, like that God doesn't look and judge people just by that, that all of us are equal in Christ, that, that he has no favorites, point blank. God does not have favorites. And it says that numerous times in the word of God. He doesn't have favorites. He doesn't favor man over woman. He said, let us make men, man, people, humans in our image, man and woman. We're both made in the image of God. We both have equal value in the eyes of God. But yes, we have different roles. We totally have different roles. And if we go if we're following God and we're just going about, we have these natural innate abilities and giftings and knacks that women just tend to, for example, have more patience with children, have more endurance with children, can handle laundry and meals and taking care of dirty diapers and feeding children and making sure that they stay alive and are healthy and are not sick. And I mean, the list goes on of the things that we're able to do. You put a man in that position for like several hours and that guy is like wiped out. Get me out of here. Uh, I need a break. I'm super exhausted. I cannot do this. Now, women, we have our moments, of course, of feeling overwhelmed if we have little ones and a husband to take care of. But that is not the every day we are defeated, we cannot do this kind of mentality. We really do take on so much and are able to, within the home, that's kind of, we're, it's just this knack, this natural inclination where we're just good. We are usually, typically women are better at, you know, interior design at, again, being with children and teaching children and being able to put up with them for, you know, hours on end and multitasking, so to speak, you know, doing multiple different roles and not, you know, being completely dead on the floor. Again, that may happen sometimes, but again, it's just not the norm. We we have this, these roles that we're really good at, that we help. And then the husband, you know, he has his own roles that these men have these kind of natural things about them where, again, I'm I'm speaking more so for men who are, are in Christ, who are following God, and have this kind of, you know, desire to provide and to protect and to, you know, entice their wife, you know, be that hero to them. That's, you know, what the men do. And so we have different roles and helping a man, helping my husband. What I've come to find is that the more that the longer that I'm married, which also equates to the longer I walk with God, the more my desire and inclination is to help my husband. A sister in Christ asked me today how I was doing. And, uh, I try to be transparent and honest and real and not act like, like, there's nothing ever, you know, that I desire nothing and whatever. And I'm perfectly content all the time. So I was just like, yeah, you know, um, like I'm good, but there's, um, Or something. I don't even know if I said I was good. But I am good. But I said something to the effect of, there's like these things that I want to do that, you know, God has been teaching me to prioritize my family. And that these desires that I have, you know, um, like if I had more time, I would like to do these things. But basically, you know, my family has to come first. You know, my roles as a wife. And as a mom, have to come before these blogs and videos and all these things that I want to do. Whereas before, often, you know, those things took precedence. And my house is always, was, was, because I repented, you know, and I'm not perfect, but I definitely repented. Um, But my house was always messy and I'd be, you know, cooking meals late. Um, Yeah, you know, just not you know, being on the computer a lot and not devoting a lot of my attention and time and effort and energy into establishing my home and making it a comfortable place, a clean place, you know, really just pouring into my children or just being more intentional with them. You know, I I felt like I had to do these other things and and they just kind of took precedence over really being, again, intentional, you know, with my family life. And so God convicted me on that, and so I realized, and again, just over time, the more I walk with God and the longer that I'm married, the more that my desires become what I basically told the sister, which was, but you know, first, before uh, I want to do my blogs and this and that, what I first would like to have more time to do is to help my husband with his web series. Then... In addition to that, I would like to, you know, write my novels and my, in my, uh, blogs and make videos and, and these things. And that is genuinely where God has brought me and is continuing to bring me. That it truly is a joy to help my husband fulfill his vision and his dream. And I'm, and I'm, I'm good at it, sisters. And again, it's not that Miss Natasha is perfect, but I compliment my husband perfectly. And God gave Jonathan a good thing when he gave me him. No, wait. When God gave Jonathan me, I was the good thing that Jonathan found and found favor with the Lord. And I... You know, again, my husband helps me. He helps my own stories and everything become better than what they are. But there are so many things that, you know, sisters, in this role of helping my husband, I really know that I can totally just destroy my husband, tear him down, and I could be the one who just, really, I can cause him to probably not fulfill his destiny. That's literally how much power I have as a woman and as a wife. But on the flip side, I see that when I use my talents and my gifts to help my husband, I really help establish him, encourage him, inspire him, uplift him, push him, kick him in the booty, you know, to do what he's called to do, to cheer him on. And that is great. And that is great. And sisters, my encouragement to you is to stop or to pray about stopping and changing the way that you view husbands in regard to you, to you, to, to, I want a husband so that I can be complete, can be happy, can be loved, can be desired, whatever it is, you know, it's not so much about what this man is going to do for you. It's really what you're going to bring and help him accomplish. And yes, marriage goes both ways and we are both, you know, we both submit to one another, but really pray and ask the Lord, what does this mean to be a helper? Helper, let that word resonate and echo in your mind and haunt you. Let it haunt you. Because too many sisters go into marriage not thinking about being a helper, but about thinking about being a queen. That is to be just adored and obeyed and, you know, made happy and pleased. And if she's not, then she's going to get upset and divorce and all this crazy stuff can happen. And I'm not blaming wives entirely. No, both husbands and wives are sinners and they get together. And there's some things that need to be worked out. Mm-hmm, yes. But sisters... View yourself in the lens of what the Bible says about wives. If you want to be a wife, you're essentially saying, I want to be a helper to a man. Mm, Sit on that one, sisters. Really? I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. Because I know that the world does not think that way when it comes to marriage. So chew on that. That's my lesson for today, pray, seek, read the word on this topic on wives and our roles and especially that word helper. And I pray that if it's God's will, that when you come to that place and you're ready to be a helper to a man, that he will bring you to your future husband. All right, sisters, love you. For more, check out my website, hisnatashasapienza.com or visit my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash user slash Natasha Sapienza.